Hello and welcome to the program UFO Warning. In this episode we're taking a look at a 1665 UFO battle over Strassland, Germany. That's correct, the 1665 UFO battle over Strassland, Germany. Now, I found this article on UFOinsight.com. I'll put a link at the Buy Me a Coffee website. I think it probably does one of the better reports on this. Because if you get if you start to do some research on this uh, incident, you'll find a lot of debunking that happens uh, by academia and the mainstream news. Uh, they totally discount major details of the story just to try to explain away what these guys saw back in 1665. And this is it's a fascinating story, though. Now, the title from uh, UFO Insight says, The Daylight Disc Incident of 1665 Strassland, Germany, and written by Marcus Louth. It says, we have examined several UFO cases that happened long before the modern UFO era of the 1940s onwards. However, one particular sighting from 1665 in Strassland in Germany stands out, not least as it offers details that are almost identical on other similar sightings around Europe at roughly the same time. It's important to, notice, to note that when these guys reported this, of course, this was after the printing press, by, you know, by a good amount of time. And so there were lots and lots of leaflets and pamphlets that were created talking about it and drawing illustrations of what uh, they saw or what people thought they saw. And the illustrations themselves are, are fascinating. You can find some of this online. Uh, there's, I think it's a Berlin museum, I'm not sure. But anyway, one of the museums over there just recently announced that they're doing an exhibition on it. And while they you know, completely discount the UFO sighting itself and try to write it off as some sort of optical illusion. The pictures are cool because you see how they interpret it. You have everything from uh, basically sailing ships, you know, to what we would call the orbs today, or and even flying saucers. So they were seeing flying saucers and orbs clear back in 1665 and drawing accurate pictures of what they were seeing. So that's what I thought was also fascinating about this. It says, furthermore, the account was written about by other writers and researchers after the incident had appeared in the press of the time. This suggests, then, that the incident was perhaps one that made a great impression, not only on the witnesses, but on the wider community as well. I'm sure these guys were saw it's a mass sighting, and they were viewed as reliable witnesses. So yes, this would have been, this would have been big, big talk. It says, we might also... Ask, we might also ask as we recount the events that afternoon in 1665 just why these types of incidents, one specifically mentioning battles in the sky, appear to take place during the 16th and 17th centuries. Just what was happening in the skies of our planet during this time. And then it says this case comes to the contemporary Western world from Elo Brand von Ludwiger in his 1998 book. Best UFO Cases, Europe. And they have an excerpt here from his book. It says, A Star Wars-like aerial battle over 17th century Germany. One of the... On the afternoon of the 8th of April, 1865, in Stralsund in Germany near the Baltic Sea, one of the most intriguing incidents of historical UFO encounters would unfold on this particular afternoon at around 2 p.m. Several fishermen would notice an unusually large swarm of birds over the sea, seemingly coming out of the north. That was the first time I saw was this huge flight of birds. Now, we don't know if these were actual birds that just precipitated this, or if this was a UFO phenomena itself presenting itself as as birds before it 
basically just morphed into this uh, collection of ships. It says, as the men watched the swarm of birds change to battleships in the sky, it is most likely that there was not a physical change, but the men mistook the objects for birds when first seeing them. Either way, what followed next was an aerial battle that would perhaps sit better within the confines of the Star Wars movie. Now, you know, not to diss the author, but, I mean, he doesn't know. They're just telling you what they saw. And it wouldn't surprise me if these things had appeared to be birds to begin with, because so often with these UFOs, we see them taking on the shapes that would be familiar to us as humans. These things could be so far advanced that our brain couldn't even recognize the craft or whatever they are when we see them. They might as well be invisible. So maybe it's a situation where these things are somehow AI-driven and they're taking on the shapes of things that they, that they know or they think they know that we'll recognize. It's like they, they're, they are embodying something. They are trying to uh, pick a shape that we'll recognize. The real, the real thing here isn't the shape we see. It's that phenomenon contained or presenting itself as that shape we see. I think that's what we have to remember here. These, these UFO sightings, I think a lot of times, that's not the actual UFO. That's just this phenomena as it presents itself to us in a way that our senses can pick up and, and recognize somehow. That's just my personal thoughts. It says the aerial crafts, the aerial crafts would fight one against the other, during which a lot of smoke developed. Furthermore, more and more ships would appear in the sky, each immediately going to battle with these various sized and shapes of crafts. This would continue for several hours. Now, I'm wonder, are these things actually having some sort of dispute amongst themselves, or are they simply putting on a show? for the watch for the, the people watching them because it almost just sounds like it's a staged event where nobody actually gets hurt but it's like they want to present themselves to these fishermen somehow conditioning them you know yeah it's been 300 years but these things we're dealing with maybe 300 years is like three weeks to them we don't know it says then another huge object appeared overhead we will turn our attention to that in a moment. However, we should perhaps state that one of Ludwig's sources for the account is Ermastus Franciski, who described the incident in his 1680 writing as an air vision. And this is what we can ascertain from how the fishermen and others who witnessed such aerial displays, which were frequent in the Middle Age, saw it as a vision or a warning. Now, that's interesting. That's that's how they view things. That's their, you know, realm of seeing things. Today, uh, many people see everything as a mechanical object. Well, they've got to be from some other place. This must be a, a ship made of metal. And, and how did it get here? And why is it so fast? And, you know, how did it, how did it violate all these laws of physics? These guys were looking at it from a little different perspective. Not yet interdimensional, perhaps, but they were seeing it as a vision. So if it's a vision for them, well, then you know, a vision must have come from God or something. So they're seeing it. They're seeing it in a totally different way. But maybe that's what's meant to be. They're presenting themselves to us in whatever way that we can understand them, or whatever way that we can accept them. That might be more important. So I, it just, it just 
reinforces to me how advanced these things are, how complicated they are, and how easy it is to get caught up in our own story when we try to understand these things. And it says, following the vanishing of the vision for, or the ceasing of the battle and dispersing of the aerial vehicles, a short calm ensued. Then a flat round form appeared in the sky. I think we call that a flying saucer. It was, according to Francisci, like a plate, looking like the big hat of a man. The object would move through the sky, apparently the color of the moon, before stopping over the top of St. Nikolai Church, where it remained for several hours. Now, I think it's important that this was a church. Remember, this is, this is you know, uh, Renaissance period, I suppose you would say, in Germany. But at that time, that was a repository for all of your uh, baptismal records, your birth records, your marriage records. Um, they kept a lot of stuff there. So that would have been an important place. It was also a a um, social a place for social gathering. It was kind of like the the center of of society in so many ways. You had the church and you had the state. Well, the church is where the people went. So this would have been a power center. I find it interesting that it went there. It says the object would move through the sky. Apparently, the color of the moon before stopping over the Saint Nicholas Church, where it remained for several hours. Of course, such a destination would only confirm to the men that they had witnessed as was a divine vision, as opposed to a very real physical aerial battle involving nuts and bolts aircraft. We should note, though, that such buildings as churches at the time were likely the focal point of these communities, and they were certainly some of the tallest buildings in the area. It is perhaps not surprising then that they would attract the attention of aerial visitors. I would agree with that. Regardless of how they perceived the strange object, the fishermen soon became frightened of the vision and would bury their faces in their huts. The following day, however, they fell sick with trembling all over and pain in their head and limbs. According to another report, one of the men had even been physically sick on his feet. So we don't know if that's vomiting or what, but you can see the connection between the illness and the sighting of these UFOs. Reminds me very much of the work that Gary Nolan's done, Dr. Gary Nolan out in Stanford. We talked about 150 people coming in, government employees who had been sickened by a contact with these UFOs, and he said 25% of them died. It says, it would have seemed perfectly obvious to us that the fishermen had witnessed some type of aerial battle involving vehicles that were hundreds of years, at least, ahead of their era. And following the displays, a plate disc, which was shaped like a man's hat with a dome on top, could hover over the church of the town, most likely the main focal point of the community at the time. Perhaps even more interesting is the fact that the witnesses became ill the following day. If they were in relatively close proximity to these strange aerial vehicles, and taking into account the symptoms we know of, it is not likely that they were suffering from some kind of, is it not likely that they were suffering from some sort of radiation poisoning? As we will examine shortly, an account from Russia only two years previously shares some of the same details, not least radiation type burns to several fishermen who were in very close proximity to a strange craft. Now some people call this a Vanna syndrome because of the the outbreak of uh, sickness that happened among these uh, State Department employees. And we should perhaps note that Francisca, and most likely others at the time, believed the vision was a warning of upcoming war. 
and in the decade and a half that would follow the incident, the Prussians and Swedish would indeed find themselves locked in conflict. However, leaving aside the aerial battle aspect for a moment, we know that the UFO sightings increase around wartime. Might that have been the case here? After all, Europe, both at the time and certainly in the centuries that, pre that preceded it, was hardly a peaceful was a place free of violence and mystery. Yeah, we say, uh, misery, we say that frequently these things do seem to show up in wartime. They've been all over the place over there in Ukraine and Russia lately. We also seen a lot of them with the COVID uh, stuff. It's almost like a, like a misery index. Uh, if you have a lot of misery going on, a lot of conflict, it seems like these things show up. It says, it is impossible to read this account and not recall the sky battles of the mid-1500s both of which would occur over Europe within five years of each other. The first at Nuremberg in 1561 saw hundreds of globes, crosses, and tubes fill the sky. What's more, they would do battle with each other, resulting in clouds of thick black smoke. Even stranger, following the battle, spear-like objects would hover overhead for several hours. Almost like they were the cleanup crew. Five years later, in 1566, over Basel, many large black balls appearing over the city, they too would battle with each other. They would move at high speed toward the sun and make half turns. According to the report, some were even consumed and died out. You know, these aerial battles kind of remind me of some of the stuff you write, read. Well, it's in the it's in the uh, Indian uh, ancient books. It's also in the Bible about. Uh, you know, about about having spiritual battles in the sky. And so you see through many religions, there's this notion that you have these good and evil entities battling it out, and these battles are occurring uh, in the sky. It says, Another account, only several years earlier in Russia, is also worth mentioning here, not least as it occurred only two years before the sighting over Strassland. In August 1663, while most of the town of Robozero were at church, a great ball of fire would come out of the sky. It would hover, leave, and then return over the area several times. It would even approach a small fishing boat on the water. The fishermen would suffer from severe burns on their bodies following the incident. See, you know, these things, it's its as if the human part of it is just inconsequential to them. They don't seem to be too concerned about whether or not the people that view them get injured. Given that a vision is a highly, given that a vision is highly unlikely to be the real cause of these strange and aerial occurrences, we have to ask, was there some kind of aerial conflict taking place around Europe and Russia? Might there have been other accounts that have simply not been recorded, it is a distinct possibility, whether through the remoteness of some locations or with the church still having far too much influence than they should, many might have been as keen to keep such sightings to themselves as many do in the modern era. Well, that would depend on where you at, where you were at, because the Protestant Reformation had already taken place. So uh, there was a lot less centralization to the church after, say, around 1500 than before. Now, I, you know, I would be interested to know if they've done any kind of comparison on the UFO reports and in, 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 in which regions of Europe. But certainly, in the wrong parts of Europe, in, in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, reporting a UFO uh, might have got you in a bad way. And it says, let's assume that these strange craft overhead were indeed the result of two alien races. 
once looked in, once locked in some kind of cosmic war, what is their connection to the Earth? Why would such a battle take place here? And even then, why in random places and across several years might it be the case that one or even both of these races were in fact indigenous to the Earth? Might they have been the underground or inner Earth civilizations that so many ancient writings speak of? If that is the case, were these sightings just a flare-up or trouble that died down just as quickly? And if so, are these civilizations still here today, somewhere deep inside the planet? Well, that is a thought. Uh, it's also a thought that maybe these guys are fighting over resources such as seawater or whatever. It's hard to say. Most dismissed claims of underground civilizations is nonsense without investigation. They may be well right in their ultimate assessment. There is certainly, though, a wealth of information to examine that this suggestion, that this is suggestive of an inner race, one that some believe still resides within the planet. I would think that these things would be much more likely to reside uh, underwater in the ocean, say, than to, be, to reside underground. And that might explain why the sea battle took place. It says, as bizarre a notion as it might be to most, might there have been the possibility of some elite and obviously highly advanced sector of human society that might have had access to these futuristic aerial machines? Admittedly, this is not very likely, and there are certainly no suggestions of a cover-up, but such technology in this particular period of history it is still, however, an intriguing notion. This is the idea of a parallel society where these you know, select group of deep state people have access to this alien technology, and they're living light years above us. I mean, this is a this is a thought that's been around for a while. I don't know. I guess when I'm looking at this, I have to look at the kind of, you know, as they say, the law of parsimony. You have to look for the simplest solution is usually the correct solution, or at least a lot of the time. And it seems to me like these things are probably somehow interdimensional or extraterrestrial, and they're probably fighting over some type of resource. Now, whether that's something as simple as seawater which I'm not sure, apparently water is abundant in the universe, or whether that's some sort of rare earth material that's only found on earth, or maybe it's just the, the human souls that they're looking for. But there seems to be some sort of rare commodity that two opposing groups of these things want. It says, perhaps another point to consider here is that their sightings of the battling UFOs might be an intentional manifestation. That's, I think that could be true, too. One that occurred in the skies above Europe specifically. Perhaps this was a crashing into our realm of existence by these battling factions, and perhaps this was achieved through an unintentional portal, portal or gateway. After all, it would appear that these two warring factions simply appeared overhead out of the skies. Why would they purposely travel the reaches of space to then battle high in the atmosphere? Well, that's either one of those possibilities I think are real. I mean, it could be that this UFO phenomenon that they're watching is simply just staging this battle scene uh, just as an interaction scenario with the people watching it. Or maybe it's actually a real battle, but we just happen to get a glimpse of it because our dimensions are somehow colliding. He says, perhaps such weaponry combined with unknown aspects of the universe created such a gateway. For example, for the sake of argument, we say the above possibility is correct. What, what is it to say about the, about the home world and society of these battling fra factions that appear here in the skies of our planet? Do not wonder just what happened to the crafts that disappeared in the skies. Yeah, we don't know where they came from. I mean, it's, it, it seems almost plausible to think that they've been here since the beginning. 
and maybe they have their own parallel society. You know, I'm not so sure they had to come from another galaxy with all the the millions and and millions of planets and stars and and whatnot. Why would they just come to Earth? It, it almost makes more sense that they were here from the beginning, and we've just been seeing this whole time. But for some reason, they can't really interact on too uh, on too intimate of a level with us. Anyway, the article finishes up there. I won't read the whole thing, but I just think that. I, I love these sightings from the 15-1600s because uh, they just tell you what they saw. And they tell you uh, in their own uh, best way, and they're just so honest about it. And they just describe exactly how they perceive things. And that's up to us to try to interpret what they meant by that. But so oftentimes I think if we just, if we just take them at their word, that's when we can get the most truth out of what actually happened. Just like in this case in Germany back in 1665. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.